0: Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. Thanks for the download. A little late here on a Friday. It's uh, February 15th when we record this, but we always appreciate the download and the subscription at BaseballAmerica.com or via iTunes. Aaron, uh, we're going to declare this a Roger Clemens free zone. because We assume that's baseball news you can get everywhere else. Yes. When you can get the baseball news on C-SPAN... You don't need to get it necessarily, but if from you want my America. quick take, John Roger sure. Clemens
1: is a is a liar. And <laughs> uh, I, I you know, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. So uh,
0: sure, I, I don't. I think
1: it's pretty, pretty, pretty disgustingly obvious.
0: Yeah, Roger Clemens is not going to find a lot of friends at uh, in the Baseball America. You, as far as not a lot of sympathy, I would say. I don't think you're going to find a lot of Brian McNamee sympathy here either. Um, but I think we share the sentiment of most baseball fans, which is. Yeah, this is important. It's important. I, I do think it's important for baseball to have, uh, you know, to digress a little bit. I do think truth and reconciliation is helpful um, in society. You've seen it in South Africa. We've actually seen it here in North Carolina for a couple of incidents, one that happened over in Greensboro 27 years ago, and there's one that just happened last year that kind of went through what happened in Wilmington, North Carolina in the 19th century. I think getting to the bottom of those kind of things and it can be cathartic and helpful I think it is helpful, although a flawed process, for baseball to go through all this, investigating itself over performance-enhancing drugs and all these kind of things. But it's no fun, Um, and it's not what anybody follows the sport for. Um, It's not uh, not what anybody looks forward to. I think we all look forward to spring training and the games on the field, and we are finally close to that. But uh, it it definitely is not – but I do think it's going to, in the long run – it will be helpful to the sport,
1: John. You won't find a more vocal Roger Clemens uh, detractor than myself. Um, you know, and, and frankly, I, I loved seeing his downfall because I think it, it, it was a long time coming. But you know what? Watching him try to defend and, and, and uh, weave his way through all these lies in front of Congress, it was
0: just painful. It wasn't fun. To it was watch. painful. Yeah, it was so. painful. It was good theater, and uh, boy, it was like uh, everybody watched. I was shocked, frankly. Uh, I've got a brother who lives in, in Washington, D.C., inside the Beltway, has for 10 years, and is completely affected by it. He thinks he's not. It's hilarious. <laughs> but um, he couldn't believe I wasn't interested going into that day, and I couldn't believe how interested he was. But he said in, in D.C., that was the day after the Potomac primaries, the day after Washington, the District of Columbia, Maryland, the District of Columbia, and Virginia all voted in presidential primaries. And you'd think if anywhere was interested in presidential politics and primaries, it would have been Washington, D.C., but he said no. That was already over. Everybody was talking about Roger Clemens. So uh, the country was talking about it. Obviously, we didn't want to ignore it, but we also want to move on and talk about baseball and uh, talk about practice. They're still practicing college baseball. Um, and our issue, our most recent issue, our college preview and early draft preview, two great tastes that go great together. Aaron and I have already podcasted at length, as you may recall, last month about our college preseason top 25. This college preview issue almost killed us, Aaron, but we're both still standing. And uh, looking forward to the season, which begins tonight, 1130 Eastern Time. I don't believe it's on television. I don't believe it is. But it's Hawaii and Hawaii-Hilo throwing down in the 50th state. Is Hawaii the 50th state or the 49th state? know, I wish I had an answer for you there. <laughs> in state 49-50 in Hawaii. There's no early base, no February baseball going on in Alaska. I can guarantee you that. But Hawaii and Hawaii-Hilo Hilo do get to start a week early. Uh, before the rest of the country, which is a uh, really really big, I think of the NCAA, they let Hawaii and Hilo play each other a week before the common start date. Um, but anyway, so we're looking forward to the start of the game of the season on the field, um, and we're also looking forward to the start of the season, uh, the start of the draft season really. And this Aaron, uh, the early draft preview merged with our college preview issue. I think it's exciting that this. Uh, I think we're looking forward to the 2008 draft even more than most in recent memory because it's not just tilted to one side or the other, or like in 2006 you had really good college pitching, but the rest of the draft class was kind of panned. 2005 we had like a historically great draft with tons of hitters, um, which we'll go over a little bit next week when we do our podcast on the Top 100, Baseball America's Top 100 Prospects in the Minor Leagues coming next week at BaseballAmerica.com. But this draft class, Aaron, looks like it's got some balance on both sides, of the, of both the high school and the college sides. Yeah, you know, John, I really agree with you. I, I, I think first of all, uh, looking at the
1: college classes, that's what, what I'm a little bit more familiar with than the high school class. Sure. Um, you know, I think there are some big-time impact power bats in this class, uh, which I think were, have been lacking recently um, in, in the college ranks. I mean, last year you had a couple of guys like Matt Laporta and Bo right. Nails, Um But, I mean, I love the Alvarez, uh, the Justin Smokes. I mean, these kind of yonder Alonso, these kind of power bats I think are uh, I'm not gonna say can't miss
0: because nobody's can't miss. Right.
1: But, uh, they're 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 pretty
0: pretty promising. Highly anticipated and much more anticipated, I think, mean, than most um, most classes of college hitters. Because usually the better hitters really get picked over, coming out of high school. Yeah. Um, especially the ones who have some some real athleticism and middle of the diamond possibilities. Those players seem like they get drafted out of high school a lot more often than they do out of college. And you still that said. You, you still do in the when you look at the big leagues you still do have a lot of college middle infielders who are big league starters and, sure. and potential impact players. I mean Nomar Garcia Parr is not one of those anymore, he's not a middle infielder anymore, but
1: Chase for, Utley comes
0: Chase Utley's one who comes to mind. Dustin Pedroia, David Eckstein, uh you know, Mark Ellis, uh, some pretty solid you know, Bobby Crosby when he was healthy. Uh Troy Tul uh last year's rookie sensation, Ryan Braun. So you've had some uh you know you've, and you've had some who were drafted as middle infielders or uh, some real impact bass guys have made it to the big leagues pretty quickly. One one nugget that Jim Callis dug up um, is that there hasn't been a college first baseman drafted in the first t- uh, first ten picks, I guess, since Carlos Pena in 1998. So, are we considering amazing. Matt Laporta then to be an outfielder? He was a left. He was drafted as a left fielder, um, and that, that you know that was a, that, that's a that's a different one. I think we might be stretching that one a little bit. But uh, Carlos Peña was a first baseman in college and a big league first baseman. Because Pat Burrell was kind of a college first baseman, he was also kind of a college third baseman, and moved almost immediately, almost immediately to left field as a pro, as was the case with Matt LaPorta. But guys like Yonder Alonso, Justin Smoke, and perhaps uh, those two guys, perhaps Pedro Alvarez, also a first sure. baseman. In them, in them. That's mm-hmm. another. One. He, if he has a big year, you could see him going early. Probably
1: not the top ten picks, but I, I definitely think Alan Dykstra could be a first round draft pick. It's, Absolutely. Uh, the, the the corner bats in this class really. I mean, that's what jumps out of you. Uh, the, these power corner bats. I mean, I can't ever recall seeing a group of first basemen as talented as those guys we just
0: mentioned. And in our top twenty five corner bats, Pedro Alvarez one on our College Top One Hundred. Justin Smoke four. Yonder Alonso five. Uh, then you move down the list uh, a little ways, but you still get James Darnell, Connor Gillespie, Alan Dykstra, Brett Wallace. All those guys can hit. Absolutely. I, mean, I, th- I think the only guy on there who's a real question mark is Brett Wallace, who certainly has performed. I think we're all kind of anxious to see how Brett Wallace performs, uh, having shed about thirty-five pounds this off-season uh, and also going to uh, switching from first base to third base. I know you're a Brett Wallace believer. I am
1: absolutely a Brett Wallace believer. I think first of all that. He's one of the best pure hitters in his class. I do think he's strong enough to, uh, you know, to, to, that his power will play in, in the professional ranks. And I think he's he's a, not not a bad athlete. I mean, the, the rap on him, I think, since high school has been he's not a good body guy. Right. But it's it, he's he's really. I mean, first of all, he has slimmed down, and he's even when he was a bigger guy last year. I mean, to stay next to him, he he doesn't look fat. I mean, that's actually a point that I've seen elsewhere that I agree with. He's not fat, right? He's, he's just he's a big a, guy. He's a big guy, and he's but he's fairly athletic for his size. He can run. He's a smart. He's a smart base runner. I mean, he's you know he's not a burner by any means. But I I, I remember seeing Brett Wallace steal home in Houston last year at the Minute Maid
0: Classic. Right. So. I think the biggest point you're making is that he's he's got he's a he's a baseball player. He's got savvy, and he's not a slug. Right. I mean, like maybe this is a little bit of a stretch, but like Kevin Euculus was a guy in college who was really tagged as a bad body guy, not athletic enough. I think that's a pretty good comp, actually. But I think Brett Wallace is actually a much more pure hitter than Euclidus. Euclidus really thrives on his approach, his just smarts. He's got a good, you know, obviously he could hit. He's more athletic than people give him credit for. And I mean, I think that shows how good of a defensive first baseman he is. Right. I think Euclidus could play third base in in the big leagues. I think he's a better first baseman defensively than he is a third baseman. I think it's the same thing for Brett Wallace. I'm I'm really eager to see how he plays third base. So that's my Brett Wallace comp. That said, Kevin Euclid was an eighth-round pick. I think the success of a player like Kevin Euclid makes teams and scouts, and this is a story I think we're going to pursue down the line, and the profile is changing and that teams, because of statistical analysis but also because the hit tool is so much more paramount now than it was even ten years ago, I think teams are more willing to take a guy like a Brett Wallace, where if you prove that you can hit, you're gonna—they'll overlook the fact that you're maybe a 40 runner sure. or a 45 defender. Bo Mills is a great example of that. If he's a 45 defender at third base, he's going to be a big league third baseman because you'll take fringy defense if you're going to produce offensive like Bo Mills. And I think that's—that's that's what we're seeing. It's a Baseball America podcast. He's Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. Uh, Aaron, uh, we could go on a little bit about the hitters if you want to. One—One one question, I guess, I have in this college class is. The infield talent, uh, there is some talent there. I think we both like guys like Brandon Crawford and Ryan Flaherty, Jamile Weeks. Weeks. But it's ju- right. There's less certainty, however, about that group—the middle infielders in college—than there is about the corner infielders we just yes. got tons of talking about. And, and
1: there's and there's more certainty even with with the middle infielders than in the outfield. I think this is a Great weak, point. a weak outfield crop. Great. Point. Um, I mean, there's some. You know, there's some guys who have potential. I mean, Jordan Danks has obviously been on the prospect radar for a long time, since high school. Yep, Kyle uh, Russell. But has yet to tap into that potential, I think. And, and, and Kyle Russell, again, I think a lot of people think this is a guy who, who, you know, he's got some raw power in there, but there's still a lot of questions about that swing. Dennis Rabin has big-time power, but is he even going to stick in the outfield? Uh, uh, I think Jim Callis believes he might end up at first base. So uh,
0: the outfield class, I think, is thin. I gave Davis another one, another I example. Davis, sure. like, big-time talent. Hasn't quite broken through yet, and also this year will play first base uh, for Arizona State because they're trying to save his arm and pitch him a little bit more, right. among other reasons. But I, but
1: I think the uh, I actually think that the middle infield class is is intriguing, if not right. uh, You know, there aren't, maybe there aren't a lot of, of short sure things here, but I for one am a, a big time Brandon Crawford believer as yep. well, probably more than uh, some other people. He didn't have a very good summer in, in the Cape Cod League, but um, you know he came back uh, motivated. I think to to prove to people that the summer was the fluke and that. Uh, you know, Brandon Crawford has put up good numbers for two years. He is a premium defender. I think he's a legitimate uh, five-tool player, maybe not five above-average tools. Right. But he's got all five. Right.
0: He doesn't uh, really have a glaring weakness. The hit tool and making consistent contact is what he's going to have to do. That's the big thing. You're yep. right, John.
1: He needs to make more consistent contact. But I think uh, I think Gordon Beckham is another guy who's a, uh, who's got a couple of above-average tools. I mean, a, a guy who, who could be a first-round pick. Uh, Jamal Weeks is really the X factor in this group, I think. Yep. Um, I mean, because he can be just an, an electric player, uh, capable of, of you know stealing tons of bases and playing good defense, and you can even he can even hit some home runs, uh, even though he's not a very big guy. Yeah, had, but, uh, had some injury issues.
0: Healthy. Had some injury issues last year. Um, like he says, just got to stay healthy. But that's that's really the biggest question um, that, that he really got with Jamal Weeks. Is it, which Jamal Weeks are we going to see as a freshman? This is the dynamic player and uh, dynamic college. Bats are hard to find, right. frankly, and those right. those guys are uh, uh, valued in the draft. So I'm 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 very eager to see how he performs this year. The last college, I guess, position we've discussed the hitters. The pitchers are pretty yeah. interesting to me, Aaron, because there are a lot of big arms in this year's draft, but those big arms are not necessarily guys who've performed. So that's why in our All America team voting and our top 100. Draft list for the college side. Brian Mattis and Aaron Crow are at the top. Yeah. They both got big time arms, and they performed. Aaron Crow, Friday, guy from Missouri last year. Brian Mattis, fourth round pick at a high school, he's had two very solid years for University of San Diego. Led the nation in strikeouts last year, I believe. Yes. Um, and then, the, and Christian Friedrichs performed, but he's not a big arm. He's kind of your crafty. He's really the Jeremy Sowers of this draft class, I think. Right. It's, Fair to say. But the rest of the guys up here are guys with big arms who haven't quite put it all together. Your Shooter Hunts, your Brett Hunters, your Ryan Perrys, your Luke Burnetts, Tanner Shepherds. A lot of guys like that. Or you have your guys who've performed but don't necessarily have A stuff like Jacob Thompson or Tyson Ross. I guess you probably could throw Christian Friedrich, actually, into that group. Um, There's really this disparity. Again, Scott Green, big projectable body Big stuff, hasn't quite performed. Preston Gilmet has performed like crazy, doesn't have the stuff of a Ryan Perry. It's really an intriguing pitching class. I think it could go either way. This could be a really good class of college pitchers, or this could turn out to be a kind of a middling group of college pitchers that basically produces a lot of number five starters and middle relievers slash closers. I like this group of college pitchers,
1: and, and I think it does start with with, uh, Crow and Mattis, like you said, and Mattis actually, I guess, finished second last year in Strikeouts behind David Price. Okay, there you go. But, uh, you know, both those guys, I think, are to me, are, are very safe bets. Mattis to me is the safest bet of all. I agree. I, mean, I like the frame. He's I mean, left handed. He's got a shot to go 1 1. I really think he does. I and mean, especially if you look at, at the, at the Rays, so I was going to call him the devil. Good catch. But if you look at the Rays and their needs, I, I think that they probably have more of a need for another impact arm than they do another corner bat.
0: And they have great pitching depth in their minor league system, but you can never have too much of that. No. Um, and the other, I guess, a real possibility, I think, for them is Tim Beckham, yeah. number one in on our high school list. Sure. I just, I really don't see them taking Pedro Alvarez, but wouldn't that be something if Vanderbilt, which was just nowhere on the college baseball map seven years ago? I mean, they were nowhere. Um, six years ago, 2002, they hired Tim Corbin for the 03 season. But if you go back six years, they were nowhere. What if six years after that they produced back-to-back number one overall then, picks? They would be the first happen. team. Yeah. And, and it definitely could happen. Right. Pedro Alvarez is not a consensus number one. I mean, he's a consensus number one, not a unanimous number one. He was the only player who's unanimously voted on our preseason All-America team. Yeah. So that's an aside. But, yeah, Get, Crow getting, and Mattis are the most sure things, I think. Right,
1: and getting back to those pictures, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, you've got a lot of guys, like you said, John, you've got a lot to prove. And Ryan Perry was voted on to our first team, uh, as a guy who really hasn't done anything in college, I mean, right? That is a testament to his talent that he flashed in the Cape Cod League, especially. Um, but uh, there's a lot of guys here. I think this is a fairly deep group. But uh, uh, you wonder, you know, how much impact talent you're going to have behind those first two guys. I mean, I think I think it's possible that guys like Perry or uh, you know Shooter Hunt and these kind of guys could be impact pitchers down the down the
0: road. But even some of the guys in our 40s, like I, I like the pitchers when you go down and you get. Zach Putnam at 44. Now, I like Zach Putnam. Yeah. I like him as a power sinker kind of guy and a guy who competes. He's got the plus compete tool. Or does he? Some scouts really question after he went to the Cape Cod League last summer and wouldn't play a position and barely pitched. I mean, he really inspires uh, a lot of debate, Zach Putnam. Yeah. Um, DJ Mitchell. I love DJ Mitchell. I know you're a big DJ Mitchell guy. I love athletic pitchers. Um, I love guys who movement. I love guys with with fresh arm. He's been primarily a position player through his career. This year will be the first year he's really a full time pitcher. But he's also six foot one sixty and he's right handed. Cody Adams pushing ninety six at Southern Illinois. Uh, Southern Illinois. Can this guy maintain that kind of velocity through a second year as a Friday guy? Is you know is he uh, is he a guy who's going to go in the first round? He sounds like he's got a first round arm. Uh, Ryan Hinson, uh, Eric Sirkamp. There's some interesting lefties. Yeah. Josh Lindblom at Purdue, a big time arm, who again hasn't come through necessarily and, and done it. So I, I think this is a very deep group of pitchers, but there's a very short list of quote unquote sure things. Exactly.
1: But I think you, you think you nailed
0: it. I think it's a really, uh, but it's a it's a really in my mind it's an above average group of college talent when you take the whole thing uh, in toto. And uh, next week, hopefully, we'll go into the high schools a little bit. So, our new high school and draft writer, uh, Matt Blood, who's joined Baseball America this year, replacing Alan Matthews. And Matt has uh, some actual, uh, was in the draft room with a club last year on an, as an intern and uh, going to be going to a lot of the showcases uh, the way Alan Matthews did and really already hitting the phones very hard. And uh, we'll introduce Matt into the podcast uh, here very soon. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about the high school class on next week's podcast. We do have a podcast question before we wrap things up, Aaron. Uh, James Thompson. In Lexington Park, Maryland, is a Penn State sports fan, Um, and we'll forgive that, James, and and reach your question anyway. Now that has a Big Ten network, uh, what should you expect to see? I know that uh, Penn State finished strong last year. Wondering if you can carry that momentum into this year. What's your quick take on the Penn State Nittany Lions, Aaron Phil? I think Penn State is interesting. I think they're probably going to be uh, competing for a spot,
1: um, you know, a regional spot out of that league. I think that uh, Michigan is still the class of the Big Ten. Um, I think probably Ohio State is the number two team. And, and then for me, it's 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 Penn State and, and Minnesota competing for maybe a, possibly a third bid out of the right. Um I kind of see that league as probably a two-bid league this year. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if it gets a third, I think Penn State or Minnesota are probably the teams that will get it.
0: Yeah, I think Penn State's got a chance to jump up and get that third bid. Um you know, because you've got I mean that second bit I should say uh, I like Ohio State's team a little bit better. We'll see if Ohio State of Dantelusia can come back, and they do have more experience pitching coming back. Uh, the player to watch, I guess you'd say, at Penn State, they do have they have a lot of veterans coming back in their lineup. It's not necessarily one guy that you you point to and pick out. They do have a couple fifth year seniors who are back, uh, but really Drew O'Neill is the top prospect on that team. These are closer, so we'll see if the Penn State Nittany Lions. Can get some leads. They get some leads. This is a team that you you would expect um, would be able to hold on to leads. O'Neill's got a, a kind of a frisbee slider, lower arm slot, ninety ninety two fastball. Uh, one of the better closers out there in the country. It was an unsigned, I believe, eighth round pick last year. Uh, kind of had a, a wandering college career. Penn State's his third stop after. Wake Forest and then Young Harris Junior College, but uh, Penn State is a program on the rise. I good, can say that. Jonathan. Good ballpark, I think, that, and we'll see that there are a lot of. It does seem like it was already happening. here, and a lot of northern teams yeah. were starting to commit to baseball a little bit more. Uh, Louisville is a great example. I haven't gotten to Omaha last year. I think they stand out among the crowd. But now the you know everyone else kind of getting pushed down a little bit with a later start date. There's an opportunity for the Big Ten and the Big East to make more of an imprint nationally. I think now than there was five years ago.
1: And, and I think Penn State is one of those teams that we will see continue to rise. The, the facility, is, is, like you said, is sparkling up there uh, in State College, and, and um, they do a good job on the recruiting trail. I mean, you see those guys all over the place, and, and I think that's a program that uh, is one to watch for the next couple of years for sure.
0: I agree. So, James, thanks for the podcast question. You can send yours in to us next week. For next week's show, if you want to, at podcast at podcast.baseballamerica.com, and we'll keep our New Year's resolution this year of trying very hard to read more podcast questions. We're going to wrap up the podcast now, Aaron, with uh, uh, the news that's already out on our website. Uh, Chris Klein, uh, second Baseball America staff member this offseason, hired as a scout uh, by a major league club. Chris did not want to have a farewell podcast uh, moment like Alan Matthews had where Alan and I got a little overclipped. But uh, we didn't want to just, just to bounce this off you, your your favorite Chris Klein moment uh, the last five years uh, Six years of the Chris Klein regime here at BaseballAmerica.com. What are you going to miss the most? I guess to say about about Chris Klein.
1: I think I'll miss the the home cooked meals that Chris will bring in for us and share with the office. Really a uh, a great clubhouse presence Chris Klein has been, and uh, not, not afraid to to make a, a big extra batch of super or chili or uh, whatever and bring it in and, and share it with uh, with all of us
0: here in the newsroom. So generosity is a, is definitely a, a Chris Klein um, a Chris Klein hallmark. My music collection will suffer without uh, without Chris. Uh, I have random Manny Mix 07 Chris Klein discs all around my office and in my car, and many of them have Star Wars music on them, uh, also randomly, uh, <laughs> randomly put on there. Uh, but Chris is cooking, I'll tell a good anecdote about Chris's cooking. He made me some Cornish game hens one time. From nowhere, he had extra Cornish game hens with stuffing, and he brought them in for me, and I forgot about them because I'm that uh, wonderful of a person. I completely forgot this gift that he gave me, and I forgot that he brought them in. About a month and a half later, there was this foul odor coming from the Baseball America refrigerator, and it was the Cordish game hens, <laughs> and it was ghetto of me to forget about them, but that's what happened to him I was let these this generous gift of Chris's rot in the refrigerator, and Chris never, I don't think, held that against me. In fact, I think he made me uh, something else later, but uh, and he's a good cook. Um, and, and
1: he's one of the few people in the office who was... Uh, it was up for for going through the refrigerator when uh, when things like Cornish game hands got left behind. So he, <laughs> he really took one for the team on a number of occasions there.
0: He did. So besides uh, you guys missing him, uh, I think our readers are going to miss him. But we're going to miss him in the office, and we wish Chris well, obviously, uh, going on to, uh, to, to to some scouting uh, and joining an organization with the Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. For fit, I'm John Manuel. Until next week, so long, everybody.